Well, hello. So excited to be with you all this morning. And uh, I really love this series that you're in. We're in week three. If you've been sleeping or if you've been away for a few weeks, we're in a series called Devote. And it's based on these few verses in Acts chapter 2. I want to read them to you. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, this electric description of what it was like to be in the community of Jesus in the first century, where they didn't know the rest of the story. You have to, you have to remember that. When we read this part of the story, they have no idea what's going to happen next. They have no idea what this thing is going to become. They have no idea what letters are going to be written about them in the future. They just know today, Tuesday, their aunt maybe is sick and their kids are ready to go to school and they're living today as the community of Jesus in the first century, right? So Acts 2, 42 through 47, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, which, is, which does not mean they all liked the Vikings or they all liked the color red. It, it meant that they shared what they had. So amazing. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved because when a community of people is centering themselves around the person of Jesus, the result is generosity and joy and hope and addition. That's what happens. You don't have to try really all that hard. You just have to live together around the person of Jesus and you see what happens. And so this morning, I just love that we are dedicating babies. And so little Ian is here. Did you see that picture of him? <laughs> was that not, it was like this collective, oh. But what we're asking in this series is what kind of community will we be so that that little boy grows up getting an accurate picture of who God is? Amen? I mean, that's what we're doing when we say, what are we devoting ourselves to? And so uh, as I've listened to the last two weeks that Brad has talked about, it's about being intentional about following Jesus in our lives, number one. And then it's about being on the same page when we gather together for worship. Remember the three things Brad talked about uh, regarding what it meant to be a community of Jesus? It meant we gather to worship, we gather in little circles of community, and we go out to serve. It's pretty basic. And then he said there was 10, but really there was 11, but really there was 10, but really there was 11 things that a, a worship service was going to be about. I'm not going to rattle off those, but I thought those were good. The, the, what, what I want to focus on this morning is really one verse, and that's from those verses that we just read. It's Acts 2.45, and it comes more from the serve element. Very excited to uh, preach about that. Um, and it's, it's this, this, this sentence, they, that is the followers of Jesus, they sold property crazy, and they sold possessions, unbelievable, to give to anyone who had need. So like 14 questions should be popping in your mind right now. What does it mean to be a part of a community and to have something to give? I think that's frankly a little easier for us to get around, right? What does it mean for us to have something to give? What do you have to give? And, and we immediately go to, 
oh man, I mean, I don't have that much to sell. Like maybe I could sell the old stroller that the kids aren't using anymore, you know, and maybe instead of like using the money to get a different thing, I could actually give that money away to someone else. I mean, maybe I could do that and that would be a good idea. But was it, what does it mean to recognize the possessions that you have? Not only material possessions, but also things of your spirit that creates space for people to meet with God? What does it mean to recognize the things that you give away in your spirit so that other people get together and meet with God? Some of you are amazing at making food. And you think, oh, you know, that's just this thing that I do and I, I, I like it, but you don't think of that as a possession that you could give away to people who are in need. Now, there are colleges surrounding this area, are there not? There are starving college students, right? Anyway, uh, that, that, that you could give to. So I think it's a little easier to ask the question, what does it feel like to be the person who has something to give? It's a little harder to ask the question, what is it, what is it like to be the person who has need? What is it like to be the person that has to sit in this community with a secret that I don't have enough money to put food on the table for my kids, but I can't show up on Sunday morning in this community and say that because what would people think? Or that I have an addiction and I don't know how to get out of it. I have a need for healing. What does it mean to say your need out loud in community? I think that's a harder thing than even giving away. But in the community of Jesus, what we know is that every single person had something to give, whether they had any money or not. And every single person had a need that it was their responsibility to go to the community and say, hey, I have a need. What would it be like if the community of Jesus could be out loud with each other about their needs? To be needy out loud. We, period, hate, period, this, period. But in the community of Jesus in the first century, people were really, I guess, okay about being out loud with their needs. We have something in our church around Christmas time that we call community blessing. And there's these forms online that people from our church can fill out if they have a need. And then other people can go online and check out the needs and then they can see if they can meet those needs. So like we've had things like, I don't have a mattress for my nine-year-old to sleep on. They've been sleeping on the floor. And then we've had other people go, well, I have like three mattresses in my attic. And then it's this, it's joy. We've had people saying, my washing machine broke down and we don't have any money to fix it. And someone else who goes, I'm going to buy you a washing machine. And it's this beautiful picture of people giving and receiving. One year, we had this insane idea, and I can't believe we got actually permission to do it. But during one of our services where we were talking about being out loud about need and being out loud about what you had to give, we took an offering of cash and then at the end of the service, we said, if you have a need, then we uh, are going to put the buckets the, of the cash we just collected in the back. And we want you to take from those buckets what you need. And it was like, this is not going to work. 
There's no way this is going to, I mean, who's going to go back there and actually take? And what we found, you guys, was crazy. People did take, and there was enough left over, but people also, like, they would drop, they dropped rings in the little thing, and, and why? we didn't even know what to do with that. We're like, I don't think anyone needs your wedding ring, thank you very much. Uh, but it was, it was incredible. So the interesting thing about this sentence, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, is this. The word to sell in the Greek is piprosko, which is a fun word to say. Piprosko, and it comes from perao, which means to traverse. And the root word of perao is peran, which means on the other side. And so literally the word to sell means to cross over to the other side. So they crossed over to the other side about their possessions. What does that mean? What does it mean to cross over to the other side about the way that you think about what's yours when you're in a community of people who have need? What does it mean to change your mind and cross the river of this is all mine, there's not enough, if if I give away, I won't have enough for my family, to the other side of, hey, if I give away, it'll start a cycle of generosity in this community where I'll never have a need for the rest of my life again because in community I know the needs can be met. There's this thing that we live in, I think in our community, that's scarcity. Scarcity says there's not enough, you don't have enough, there won't be enough, so you have to get as much as you can for that day where there won't be enough. Remember Y2K? Remember that deal? I mean, I, I mean my in-laws gave us so many containers of empty water jugs, right? And we, we all, I mean, granted, that was 13 years ago, but we, we remember that because we stocked full because we believed that there would come a day where there wouldn't be enough. So this text is really asking, what is the opposite of scarcity? In community, what is the opposite of scarcity? Well, my paraphrase of Acts 2.45 is this. If, I'll, if I'm allowed to give a paraphrase of the scriptures, which I'm not, I'm not sure I'm actually allowed to do, but I'm going to do it anyway without really asking permission, but I'm kind of asking your permission. This is my translation. Those with property and possessions crossed over into a whole new way of thinking about that property and about those possessions when they encountered anyone in need. Wouldn't that be beautiful in this community if we crossed over into a new way of thinking about our bank accounts and about our basements and about our three-car garages that are filled with stuff that we don't really need? What about if we crossed over into a new way of thinking that said, there's something that I have to give and there's something that I need and in community under the lordship and centered around Jesus, we can meet those needs. I mean, what would that be like, really, in real time? Uh, this, this summer, I, I read this blog, and the blog was from this woman named Lynn, and she is this grandma that uh, was challenged to kayak 36 miles across the choppy Lake Michigan waters. And if she did, 36 miles is a long way to kayak on Lake Michigan, right? This is not like 
kayaking for 36 miles just around a little lake around here. This is Lake Michigan. And she said uh, that when she was considering this, someone said, I'll give you $10,000 to give to a charity of your choice if you do that. So she said, I'm going to do it. And then she wrote this blog that said, I'm going to do it and I don't think I can do it. I'm going to do this crazy physical challenge that I don't think I can do. And she asked this question, what do you think you might be able to do? What crazy physical challenge might you be able to do in order to help people that are in need? So I read this blog, and I thought it was great. So I retweeted it, right? You know, just retweet. Awesome job, Lynn. This is great. She replied to my tweet with this question. That's awesome, Steve. Thanks for the retweet. What are you doing? which I thought was very rude. (laughs) But it stuck in my mind, like, what am I doing? A few days later, no kidding, my uncle, who's 62 years old, gave me a phone call and said, Steve, a, a, a group of us are running the Grand Canyon, North Rim, all the way down into the canyon box and up the south rim again. It's about a 24-mile journey. It's about a 10,000-foot elevation change. And I want you to do it with us. Now, I'm a marathon runner. I love running. But like, that's the Grand Canyon, (laughs) I was thinking. And he's like, Steve, it's different from a marathon. Don't worry about it. It's easier than a marathon. Parenthetical, complete lie to make me do this. So I thought, well, maybe I have my physical challenge that I don't think I can do. And I talked to my wife, and she's like, you have to do that, which is great because we have three little kids and we knew the time that that would take. And then, um, so I thought, okay, I have my physical challenge. Who am I going to help? A few days later, I had uh, a coffee with my friend Matt. Matt and his wife Nikki started an organization called Eyes That See. It's based in Ethiopia. And part of what they do is they help 13-year-old teenage prostitutes leave prostitution to get counseling, to meet God, uh, and to get job training and a place to live so that they can leave that life of prostitution as a 13-year-old and get a real life where they're loved and where they have a real job. And I'm listening to this and I'm like, are you, I mean, okay, so how many women have you helped? And he said, you know, we've helped about 100 women. And I'm like, that is crazy. How many, how many women are in that kind of situation? And his eyes filled up with tears and he goes, Steve, thousands, thousands. And I'm like, all right, how much does it cost to take a woman, a 13-year-old girl, off the streets and to get them training, to put them through this program that you've done? He's like, Steve, the whole thing costs about $1,000. And so I'm like, okay, I have my crazy physical challenge. I have the people that I want to help. Now, how many women are we going to help? You know? So Matt and Nikki, his wife and I, were talking. And um, he goes, well, Steve... What sounds exciting? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to tell you a number, Matt, but it's, it makes me really frightened to even tell you the number. He goes, awesome. I said 50. I think we want to help 50 women, which would cost $50,000, which is a large amount of money if you're coming from where I'm coming from, right? So he goes, all right, Steve, here's what you need to do if you're going to decide to commit to this. You need to put on a pair of Depends, write the number down, and then let's see what God does. 
There was so much of me, you guys wanted to write 25 down. 25, that's a lot of money, 25,000? But I wrote down 50, and so that meant 50,000. And so the way we did it was this. I knew that I could run, and I knew that I could write. So Matt's like, Steve, all you got to do is run and write. So I had this blog, and I started writing about it. I started writing stories of these women. And so some of the stories are like, you know, these women, they live in these houses with bunk beds, okay? And on the bottom bunk is where they do their work. On the top bunk is where their other kids and their brothers and sisters sleep. Okay? Now get that picture. So I'm telling these stories. And I just said, we're trying to raise $50,000 so 50 of these women no longer have that situation. And I don't know how we're going to do this, but I'm going to run the Grand Canyon and you're going to give and I'm going to write and let's see what happens. So I remember in the summer, pressing publish on that first blog, not knowing what would happen. And money started coming in, you guys. And I mean, it was unbelievable. People started getting behind this. There's a picture I want to show you of this little girl um, and her family. Uh, this, this little girl, she said her and her family wanted to start a lemonade stand. And it says on the bottom, I don't know if you can read this, but bring freedom and hope to an Ethiopian woman by giving a dollar for a cup of lemonade. Remember going to that lemonade stand, high-fiving them. I bought my most expensive glass of lemonade that I had ever bought in my life that day. And, um, and then uh, another guy, his name is Andrew. He's a long-distance runner. And he goes, Steve, um, what I want to do is I want to, during the time that you're running, it took me about 10 hours to do the actual Grand Canyon run. During that time, I want to run 50 miles, one mile for every woman in Minnesota while you do this. So he ran 50 miles. He, he took a little picture of, of a woman as, as, as he, he did 10 five-mile loops. Every loop, he would pray for a different woman that we were going to help. And other people did all these other crazy things. This woman uh, hosted this, she got this uh, women's clothing store to donate 20% uh, of the proceeds on, on a given night to women who would shop and buy clothes. And 20% of the proceeds went to this project. And at the end of the day, we raised $62,000 so that women, 13-year-old teenage girls in Ethiopia could understand that there was once a man who gave it all for them. And I mean, you guys, this is one of the most exciting, beguiling things that I've ever done in my life. So I ran that rim to rim, we called it, for eyes that see, and I ran it on September 15th, and it was hard. <laughs> but we finished in about 10 hours, and at the top, we just gathered together and thanked God for giving us a picture of what it was like to have something to give and to have a need. So question, what's the opposite of scarcity? Is it abundance? Is it like, oh, so much more than enough? Or is the opposite of scarcity simply enough? That God promises 
that when a community of people gather in his name and when they give what they have and when they state their own need, God says, because of my son Jesus, there will be enough. Scarcity can be a trap because we're always thinking there's not enough. I think abundance can be a trap because we don't have any idea what to do with that. But when there's enough, when the community of Jesus gathers around each other and says, there can be enough, beautiful things happen, amen? So as I close, three quick ways that you can cross into a new way of thinking about what you have. Number one, get close to someone in need. This was just me having coffee with my friend Matt and him telling me stories about what he's doing in his life. That's all it takes. You just gotta, you gotta create an environment where you hear and see and taste real need. So what is that around here for you guys? What, what, where, how, who do you know that's involved in meeting needs and how can you get around them? I want you to think about this question. How can you get close to need? Because when you're close to need and you have something to give and you see eyeballs and you hear voices, you do what it takes to give. That's when it's vague and out there, it's hard to really, but when it's right there, you give. Number two, give away what you have. Don't give away what you don't have, you know? So like if you don't have any money, you're probably not going to be giving away much money. And just be okay with that, right? But you have something to give. I keep talking to my son Isaac. He's very creative about what he gives is creativity. That's what he gives to the world. That's a gift. Some of you are artists. You need to give beauty to the world. Give it away, Give away what you have. Some of you are great listeners. And just by listening to others, you create space to where God can do God's work in the world. Give away what you have. So you might need to like spend time with God and say, all right, God, what do I have? And then thirdly, celebrate the goodness of God together. This is so, when you see a need that's been expressed and when you see the need being met, you got to celebrate. You guys just raised $30,000, did you not? For people, I believe, was it in the Congo? Is it, where is it, guys? Congo? Did you know that nine out of 10 women in the Congo, um, horrible, terrible things happen to them? Um, I will not say them because children in the room. You just raised $30,000 so that their needs can be met. What else can you do? Celebrate the goodness of God together. The community of Jesus, it's at its most beautiful when you are expressing your need and when you allow others to meet your needs. When you have something to give to someone else who is in need. And that's what it means, people, to serve. You're serving God when you do this. And the result is great joy. Amen? Amen. Well, that's going to be a big, fat go and do that. Go and do. Amen? All right, let's uh, pray together. God, thank you for giving us the community of Jesus in which we can express our need and in which we can give what we have. Every single one of us has something that we need and every single one of us has something to give. So transform us into a community of people that love you 
and love each other and are filled with joy and generosity and authenticity. And then God, show us what to do and we are eager to do it. In your name, amen.